Welcome to the SoGrow Marketing Council podcast. The SoGrow Marketing Council is a membership organization comprised of growing marketers who want to stay ahead of developments in multiple areas of marketing. This podcast features recordings of SoGrow Marketing Council meetings. Tune in to hear expert marketers share tips and discuss the latest strategies and tools in marketing. To join the next meeting and be part of the discussion yourself, visit SoGrowPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com and click on the Marketing Council tab. Let's get growing. Well, welcome to the SoGrow Marketing Council. We are so excited to see you guys today. And the SoGrow Marketing Council is an exciting place for marketers because we are able to help each other. And the purpose of this organization is twofold. We like to get together with other marketers so that we can share tips and find out what's happening in multiple different areas of marketing. So we all tend to swim in our little lane and our particular discipline. And by networking and meeting with other marketers, we're able to stay up to speed on multiple different areas of marketing so that we don't necessarily have to do all the research ourselves. And then in addition to that, it also is a great place for us to network and share business. So if somebody needs marketing strategy, they probably need website design or social media or photography or video or all these other different services. So definitely keep that in mind as you're working with your clients. If they mention, hey, I need a company to do X, Y, and Z, then definitely think of this group and we can share business as well. So the way the meetings work is we have people who have submitted tips and they will have four minutes to share their tip. And just keep in mind that these are tips that are educational and informational. We're trying to avoid commercials and overly self-promotional tips, but something that will help everybody learn something about your particular area of marketing is, is what we're looking for today. And then Sarah will be our timer. So she'll give you a little wave when you're getting close to your four minutes. And then you'll hear her timer go off when it's close to your, when it's four minutes. And then we'll have about one minute for questions. So if you have a question or a comment, feel free to jump in after the, um, after the tip. And then I will put the order in the chat today. As I mentioned, we're missing a few people. So if your name is on there um, and somebody else is in front of you, we'll just go to through who is here today. And then if you want to join the Sogro Marketing Council, you can sign up online and we have an account that you can set up. And there are some perks when you sign up. You have access to a member database. And then there's also something called a speaker opportunity database, which I just updated. And that is a place where you can search for different speaking opportunities. And there's a link there to the submission form, the deadlines, where it is, what industry it's in, what topic it is, and that sort of thing. So if you are interested in speaking or if your clients want to speak, that's a great resource for you to be able to get some more exposure for your company. Awesome. And then I um, wanted to just take a quick photo so that way we can remember who is here today. So if you guys don't mind, we're just going to smile because I like to make sure everybody is worn so we don't have the closed eyes, weird faces where everybody's like, I don't want that online. All right. So everybody, one, two, three, smile. All right. We'll do one more just to make sure. One, two, three, smile. Fabulous. Um, and then our next meeting is July 21st. Of, let's see, July 19th. So be sure to sign up for that as well. So, all right. Joel, did you want to share a tip today? Sure. Hi, everybody. Oh, and I was just going to say, just remember to also introduce yourself and your company so that way we know what organization you're with. Okay. Hi, guys. Uh, Joel Alper from Market Power. Uh, I personally do strategy, branding, and marketing as a continuum, and uh, I've worked for big companies, little companies, and my company's full market power. Um, the tip that I want to share right now is is uh, not doesn't have an official name, but the idea is that it, is that jump, don't jump to conclusions prematurely is the overall idea. So I'll tell you why I, I have this on my mind. I'm working with a number of clients right now that are very complicated businesses, a lot of moving pieces. One of them is a service-oriented business. I can't get into really too much because I'm afraid I'm going to make some mistakes and and um, and just have too much detail uh, because it's uh, we're in a sensitive spot right now. It's a growing business and in, in the service-oriented business. Think of it like a uh, like a plumbing business. It's that kind of business. 
And um, this guy had a very successful business and it crashed around COVID time. So now he's trying to rebuild and he's trying to rebuild, build back better. So uh, what he's trying to do is um, he's looking at different departments. He's looking at, he's got many different departments and he's got a, a financial projections department. He's got accounting, he's got marketing and growth. He's got uh, fledgling, you know, I don't think it's gonna happen right now, but a PR uh, department. He's got um, operations, he's got service, he's got a lot, a lot of different departments. And then he also has a, a number of really unusual opportunities um, because first of all, his, his model is different. It's really radically different. So that's a crazy thing. I've never heard of this idea. It's risky, but man, if it pays off, it's very big. So. He's got a he's got a really interesting business model idea and he's got a lot of different departments now the question is, is how do you grow it so we've got a number of ideas so with that on the table many of us would tend to want to solve a problem because we're smart and we want to do that and we we like to be smart we're knowledgeable we really are so but the the, the tip is not to is is to resist the temptation to be smart and to solve a problem just hang out with the problem and really explore it really so instead of looking at it real quick and saying i know what to do i know what i do here and i'd throw this uh marketing technique this pr technique the strategic technique this branding technique this all those things can and should be done with the, with this company but instead of doing that to really look at each thing granularly and just check out each department get a real assessment of it and then we have a, a whole series of ideas that could really be developed for this. And we're really exploring each one. We're really graphing out, you know, like with a, with a table and you've got a column on one side that says, uh, here's the issue. And the next thing is, is here's what it could do. And here's whether it's essential or not. And a whole series of those kinds of work it through uh, ideas. And if we get that stuff straightened out as we're about to get done, we make the right decisions about how the department should operate, how the, you know, what we should pick as the primary growth model or two out of eight or nine really good ideas. And, and we really get to, to put together this business in a, in a much bigger way that's really poised for a very rapid expansion. So the, the idea overall is don't jump to the conclusions too fast, really be patient to work it through. And the guy who owns this company is not a patient guy. He's kind of like what we might call an ADD kind of a guy. And getting him to really look at the options and really slow it down and go strategic has been a task. And now after a couple of weeks of doing that, he's really, he's really clamoring for it. He's saying, I need to break this down. And he's getting the idea. So that's the overall message. Don't jump to the conclusions. Uh, really be willing to explore each idea independently as if you're doing it and then make your choice from that point because you're going to make it a much more informed. And I'll just say one other thing that as we did that, we came up with the most insanely great idea in his field that has ever been come up. One of them is, is his business model. That's one of them. And the other one is something else we came up with, which is... Um, just a crazy great way to grow to grow uh, capacity. So um, that's my tip for today. Wow, that's awesome. I'm so curious what this business is. So in terms of how do you communicate that to the client? How do you say, we're not going to just jump in and execute a strategic plan? How do you communicate that, that time in between? And what do you say to them to help them understand the value and then set expectations as far as how long that time period is going to be. Okay. So let's go backwards. Uh, the time period we've got no more than 90 days. And I think it can be done in probably around half that um, we're a couple of weeks in, uh, but we'll see about that. I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll spend the time that it needs to do it. As far as um, getting the client's expectations set us, I think there's probably two things that I tend to do. One is um, I try to lay out the reason why in an analytical way. 
But remember, if, if you're all hopped up on something and you want to move forward, that's the only thing you want to do. So me too. So that's it's human nature. So I'll try to lay it out analytically. And then I'll, uh, if that doesn't work so well, then uh, I, I don't know how to describe this one, but I will just uh, uh, be a uh, toddler, which means uh, throw a temper tantrum and uh, calculate it on person, uh, on purpose. So, so I'll say something, you know, something like, listen, I, I, I don't want to go ahead with the project unless we do this, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and they go, what? You know, I, I said, listen, if you want your retainer back, I'll do it. You know, I, if, if I have to push it that far, it's like, it's like I didn't have to go that far with this guy this time. I said, listen, I, it, I, won't, I don't think it's a good idea. I, I, I just don't want to do it. You know, in other words, I'll try to soften it as much as I can and, and escalate. There's, I've never moved forward, you know, with something and run down the, the primrose path with somebody and have that be as successful as it might have been. Um, you know, it, it's always more successful to think it through. And that's where we got this really, this big idea about capacity. You know, it's like we slowed it down. We thought it through. That's great. That's wonderful. Any thoughts or questions for Joel? Yeah, I think this makes a lot of sense. And I, I like it for me as kind of a way that I feel like a lot of times, by the time I'm talking to clients, they've already kind of have an idea that they're kind of passionate about. Yeah. And, and that's before they've gotten any outside perspective on it. So yeah. kind of saying, this is just part of the process. We spend some time thinking about some other options, at least gets them out of that like kind of narrow focus of this is what we're gonna, I really wanna do. How are we going to do it? Like, let's take a second and decide whether this is actually useful. And Aaron, your thing about like it's got passion. Yeah, it's got passion. And 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 I, I'm really, you know, the client says I really want to do this. There's nothing wrong with that. I I encourage that. I don't I don't you know I don't want to I don't want to quash that. You know, but I want to. But when you've got something really complex and you're trying to decide and just say, I know what to do. And here we here we go. Let's let's go. I, I got to get going. Got to get going. I, you know, I I can't burn my money so fast. And this guy has a has a significant uh, loan, an SBA loan. So uh, he's used some of it uh, to pay back debt, and he's used some of it to hire employees, and he's used some of it to uh, to move this game ahead. And that's the most important thing that he could do. I mean, think about it. If you're going to invest your life spirit, your money, your opportunity cost into something, choose it well. And passion runs out eventually, if it's, especially if it's not working <laughs> and you're just running uphill for something. Um, so yeah, best idea is best. Yeah. I like the idea too of slowing things down because so often people will bring in us um, and and we want to give them like our expert opinion about like okay we've done this before and we've seen this work this way and this work that way but they almost don't want they they just want to do what they want to do and they want us to just poof make it happen and when you slow it down like that you're able to kind of ease in okay that's not going to work that like you know like we need to do this we need to do this you know it gives you a chance you know, uh, overall, what you're saying, Sarah, is, is, is reminds me of a different client where I, uh, with a tagline that I had a good arm wrestle and he'd say, no, I can never do that. The client, our, our, pro, our clients don't like that idea. And he went from that kind of an absolute no to an absolute yes the next day, got really excited about it. So it's, it's you know, when you slow it down and when you know you're thinking it through, you have a chance to just just create insight and just really think stuff through freshly. It's really a big deal. It, that's the biggest asset that we have, our, you know, what's above our necks. You know, it's the biz, biggest asset. We don't always use it. We just, we, we want to we use our hands, not our brain. You mm-hmm. know, so yeah, a little bit of both. Yeah, we do something similar because we don't necessarily know what the media will pick up. And so we'll actually spend the first month testing the market. And so we won't build content calendars and we won't do that sort of thing until we send out a couple of test stories. And we had a client that we were working with um, on a new project the last couple of months. And we said, we're going to throw out these story ideas and see what gets picked up. And we got three articles picked up like that. So we said, okay, we know this is the direction to go. If it had taken longer for those articles to get picked up, then we probably would have pivoted or tried something else. 
But now that we know that this has been successful, now we say, okay, let's build a content calendar that supports this sort of messaging. And it just makes the whole thing more successful. But sometimes it takes that time. And sometimes it happens right away where you're like, yep, these articles got picked up. This is great. And then sometimes it's like, okay, that didn't work. So now we need to pivot and, and see what else would make sense for this. Because it's- yeah, but, oh, but at no. least you got something out. You know, I mean, I mean, if a client's crazy to, to, to get something going, you did something and you found out more information. Now you can move ahead more powerfully. Exactly. And you can usually start, we usually start with a piece that's something that is pretty central to their company. So it's not necessarily going to change a ton. It's kind of like a foundational piece. And then we get into deeper topics and, and figure out where that goes. So, you know, it tends to be fairly safe in terms of we're not putting something out there that we're going to have to take back later or contradict but it's something that we can use to test the market. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense because that's a lot of what marketing is, right? As marketers, we try things and, and you have to test and, and pivot. You can't just get stuck on something and say, we're going to do this and then never see if it's working. Have you, have you ever been really surprised uh, about what approaches worked? I mean, usually you think you know what's going to work. Have you ever been like really blown away by, by how the market responded differently? Yes, and we've had times where we thought, this is absolutely going to take off and this is going to get so much coverage and crickets. And we had to really pivot and do something entirely different. And then we've had times where we thought, man, nobody's going to be interested in this. This is not that new to the market. And then it, it just gets covered all over. So it's, and that's why we don't make assumptions because we can't think, oh, this is going to get picked up or, oh, this isn't because we just don't know until we send it out. And then we get a sense because it's really the editors that decide. So so, yeah, absolutely. That's great. Well, thank you, Joel. We appreciate it. Great thoughts. Sarah, do you want to present your tip today? Yes. Um, I'm going to share my screen. Oh, I just got a message from Rudy. He was trying to get in. Um, okay, so share. Um, was it on LinkedIn? I can try to give him the. Yeah, yeah. Maybe ask him on, check check with him on LinkedIn and see what's going on. Um, all right. Okay, so um, this is a little bit, you know, rudimentary, but at the same time, um, a lot of times, you know, I'll be going through and trying to fill up our content calendar. And I came across this article on some details and I just thought it was a really good reminder. So I'm gonna be talking about hashtags for social media. So why hashtags are important. Um, first point, they help your target audience find you. So, you know, the hashtags that you're using, um, here we have an example, travel, um, whether it's, you know, the name of your business, uh, plumbing you mentioned or video marketing or whatever. It's a really important way on social media to remember to hashtag your post um, so that people can find you because people follow hashtags on Instagram and LinkedIn, especially, and they can find you. Um, another way to, um, I love this idea. Okay, so look at your influencers and competitors to find hashtags that you wanna use. So, you know, on LinkedIn, it's very easy to go in under your profile and you can look at your competitors. Um, so look them up, look at their social media posts and see what hashtags they're using and what's successful. And that can be a really great way to find hashtags that maybe you're not using or get a little insight into it. Very helpful. Also the influencers, influencers in your industry, what hashtags they're using. That can be very helpful. Um, I found what hashtags are trending. So on Twitter, it's usually easy to see what hashtags are trending. Same on LinkedIn, um, but I found this resource right tag. I don't know if you all have heard of it, but you can connect it to your social media account. It will actually recommend hashtags based on your post and the words in your post. And then it will show you how many people are looking at those hashtags. So this was another cool resource that you could use to you know, tap into better organic reach. And that's what you're trying to do with the hashtags. You're trying to increase your reach, increase your engagement organically. Um, we talked about um, how many times you post. Um, don't go crazy. Three to five is a great number for 
LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, um, all those type of things. Less is more. The more hashtags that you put on there, the more it looks spammy and people don't like that as much. So, you know, pick three is usually what we go for, three or four, and stick with those numbers. And then I thought this was a great reminder. I saw this chart the other day, but I mean, we, we build out our content calendars months in advance and we're sitting there thinking, you know, what's going to be popular in August? What are people going to be talking about? And, you know, you're filling up five days a week or however many times you're posting. So just relying on the good old basics because on social media, people are looking to connect with your business. They want your business to be human. They want to feel like it's personal. So those, you know, good old Monday motivation transformation Tuesday, throwback Thursdays, those, um, thank God it's Friday's posts are always a good idea because it's fun and people enjoy it. And you can be creative and share personal photos that humanize your business. My name is Sarah Stewart. I'm with Sogro PR. I'm an account manager and our social media expert. And that's my tip. Thank you, Sarah. So um, any questions or thoughts for Sarah? Yes. Go for it, Joel. We sort of know that you might not go after the hashtags that have the biggest numbers because there's too much traffic there. So then you go after the more targeted stuff. Any mm -hmm. tips about how to pick the targeted stuff that you're going after? Yes. Um, well, it's definitely a good idea to do some research on those hashtags before you start using them. I, I always like, especially if we're picking like an important hashtag for a campaign, I'll go on Twitter and Instagram and enter in some different hashtags and just see what comes up because you don't wanna be in a group that is associated with some scandal or something negative or anything like that. And then to be, um, you know, for an example, we've got a business, um, it's a realtor and they, mostly focused on um, Emory, Decatur, that type of area. And a lot of those hashtags are so, I mean, if you just did hashtag real estate, that would be tremendous, humongous. Nobody would ever find anything. But if you did, you know, real estate, Decatur, um, hot listing, Decatur, Georgia, you know, make it a little more um, exact and a little more meaningful, then people are more likely to find it. But, you know, it's pretty much, you know, doing some searching, doing some research, doing your homework, and then playing with details that add the specifics that you need for your client. And adding a location is always a great, I mean, so many businesses, yeah, you may be looking for a plumber, but a plumber in, you know, China will be different from a plumber in Atlanta. So like, you know, adding cost that of, Atlanta- the house call is so high. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yeah, I found it interesting because when you put something in co-schedule, it gives you a score. And there were times where I took out all hashtags and the score went up to the 90s. You put in three hashtags and the score went down to the 80s. And so I'm curious because nobody can find anything if you don't have hashtags. And so it seems interesting to me that they would give you a higher score. And I don't know if the engagement is higher with the people that are on your LinkedIn profile. This was mostly LinkedIn. But I thought that that was interesting that they gave you a higher score because it seems to me like you're not going to get outside of your network of people if you don't have any hashtags. So we, like Sarah said, the you know three to, you know usually three to five are are the ones to at least get outside of your your network. But I'm curious, I'm curious, you know what those posts do. I don't typically post them without hashtags, but it's interesting. This is a good reminder. I feel like everything I hear these days is like people overdid hashtags and everybody's like stop and like talking down hashtags and like they're not that big of a deal but like like you were just saying something that like they do actually they do help expand your reach a little bit if you use them right and well stuff, so. I had the same I mean hashtags are like the ABCs like we all remember do you remember the Justin Timberlake video on SNL like back in the day where he was like hashtag hashtag if you don't remember it look it up on YouTube it's hysterical um but and we take it for granted and we don't think that it matters, but it definitely increases your organic reach. And as the algorithms are changing with social media and they don't show you as high in people's feed as quickly, that's just an easy way that you can, you know, make sure that you get those hashtags right and that you're showing up in things that people follow or search or 
that type of thing and not going crazy, you know, avoid the cliche hashtags in your profile bio if you can, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Thank you, Sarah. Erin, did you want to share a tip today and introduce yourself? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm also going to share my screen. I'm such a visual person. I can't not have a visual aid. Um, but so my name is Erin Goodyear. Um, my business is Goodyear Creative. So I'm a videographer um, primarily with nonprofits and um, kind of for good businesses, that type of thing. But um, most of my videos end up on social media, on people's websites, um, and do like events and stuff like that. So I know you guys all know the customer journey, so don't worry, I'm not going to just talk about that, um, but I'm talking, uh, but I think it's interesting to think about specifically how to curate what type of videos should go, or what really what type of stories um, should go kind of along the customer journey and what um, to focus on at kind of each stage. Um, so I'm coming at it from a video perspective, but really this applies to if they're doing, if you're doing storytelling through like blogs or even just like tweets or like copywriting um, or graphics, any of that stuff, photography, all kind of applies. Um, so customer journey, I know there's a million different versions of it, but um, working with this one today. So um, first starting out with awareness, that's when they don't know who you are um, and they have no real buy-in. So you want your story to be pretty short and concise. Um, and so you're just trying to build intrigue. Um, I feel like for this one, um, the story needs to really be more about the value and your like your values and your um, interest rather than who what the business is, what um, what they do. Just trying to make that initial first connection. Um, and so these are really good type of videos. Or this section would be good for like quick videos where it's just like, hey, here's a fun fact um, that we think is interesting, or. Um, Here's just um, some cool thing that's going on and um, just to build that initial like we care about the same things mm -hmm. as you um, and that's why you should be a little bit more interested and um, then going on to that consideration once they've gone like oh like this business kind of does have an interest to me and kind of getting into that education and um, really talking about still you can you don't want to get too far into the product itself but the education of what the problem you're solving so that more general topic the one topic i was thinking or the one company i've been thinking about a lot recently is free water um the like company that just gives free water um, so just talking about what type of issue they are trying to solve there um they can talk about more it broadly just like access to water and that does still bring them to um bring the customer back to them um but also um is educational. And so this is, I think one, a lot of my clients, I think stray away from like educational type of videos because they think they're going to be boring. But I think if they're in the right part of the customer journey, they can actually be perfect that someone is a little bit engaged. They are ready to like sit and like um, hear more about something. And so you being that kind of person for them in that moment, it can be really powerful because they'll keep coming back when they have more questions. Um, then on to conversion, um, talking about the actual deciding to buy. Um, and so this is really where customer stories and like testimonials is the most powerful. I would argue I'm always like keep doing customer testimonials and like client success stories. I think kind of universally could be really powerful. But right here at this moment where they're like, should I do it? Should I not? Hearing someone else saying I did it and it was great um, is that perfect moment. And so kind of on that landing page or uh, wherever you're seeing them for that moment of conversion, having those customer stories and customer success stories is really um, the most powerful there. And then um, lastly, retention, kind of keeping that community going, keeping them to come back um, and helping them become more of an um, influencer for you is kind of creating those community stories. So I think that one example for a good place for that um, would be kind of, I, I was calling it like follow-up videos, but where you spent the entire spring talking about like, we're gonna do this thing, we're gonna do this thing, the thing happened. Now talking about like, this is why, like what we did was so awesome. And it's like, because of your help, we did this thing. And um, those type of follow-up things might not be as interesting for someone who doesn't really know the brand at all, but for someone who's already bought in a little bit, 
that's where that type of video is the most powerful. Or even like an event, even if they didn't show up to it, just knowing they about it, they are going to be more likely to care about it than um, at the beginning of the customer journey process. But um, also, I think kind of client stories also do fit in really well here. And once you kind of they've gone through your journey, you know a little bit more about them, you can target it a little bit more saying like, hey, this is another person that's in my community. They do the same things I do. Um, and seeing them also engaging with the company um, is powerful there too. Um, but overall, it's um, never like fully focused on the, the organization itself. A lot of these stories aren't. Um, but at any point, they can always dig in deeper, learn a little bit more about the company um, from, from the website and all that stuff. But that's my kind of general gist of it. I don't know if that all made sense. No, that's great. That's great. Any thoughts or questions for Aaron? Don't. Um, I like the model. Question is for me in video, yeah. Where, where are you applying? Like, I got, like, I, I, if I remember the model, the awareness comes first. Okay. You put that out in like social media, then you've got consideration. Do you put that in, out in social media also? Do you then do the other pieces, conversion and retention in email on the website in, in some firewall, you know, something or other, I, you know, yeah. I'm just curious, like, where do you apply? How do you apply video to the model? And how do you um, like that? Yeah, I totally. So I think that's a really interesting question. I was thinking about that while I was putting this together. But um, so, and I would also be open to you guys' thoughts since you guys are also very much in the space. But um, to me, kind of the awareness and consideration, that's all still on social media. I mean, if you want, you would want to probably put some like educational stuff on your website that if someone goes there, you have some answers to questions pretty fast. Um, but I think those people, awareness is like maybe they're using hashtags, they found you. And that's just like getting them to click the follow and then consideration where they're like actually following and they just want to know more. You still would want to have those um, kind of engaging educational stuff where they're like, I'm interested in this topic. This is similar to who I am. And I'm getting fed like this information that I want um, on that social media platform. And then I would say conversion, I, in my head, that's website, maybe like email marketing, if they sign up for a listserv, but then retention, I feel like is very much like a newsletter, like, I don't know if Facebook groups are still a thing, but those type of like curated, this is specific to a space um, type of places. Is where you put those because you I I think putting like specific like we had this event last Friday um, and this is how it went like most people don't care about that unless they're really part of the community. Yeah, okay. I think that makes a lot of sense, and I think you know like you were talking about with the social media, the awareness piece, and getting people in and intriguing them, especially with something like Instagram Reels where you have you know four seconds to get them in. You don't have time to really educate, but you just kind of get them in. But I think you can you know, every once in a while throw in a testimonial, you know, every 10th post or something, you know, just to kind of get that reinforcement. So, you know, I think there can be some applications for some of the educational things and some of the things that are farther down just to kind of, you know, throw them in there a little bit, but yeah, it's especially just those short and sweet pieces. It's that like grab their attention, you know, and I feel like, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like Instagram is kind of stuck where everybody's doing the same thing. Everybody's doing these things where they're just you know, mouthing these words that everybody else is saying, you know, these voiceovers. And I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what is the next thing. Cause I feel like, you know, everybody's doing the same thing. <laughs> so, you know, that four second thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, let's come up with the next thing because this is, you know, definitely, definitely getting a little, I don't know. Do you guys feel the same way? Do you guys feel like you guys are just seeing that over and over and over? And it's like, okay, moving on. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of curious to see where, um, like I read this article yesterday about, like I've been following Elon Musk talking about taking over Twitter and the changes that are going to come. And um, he's like, he had this, you know, um, really challenging the developers and people there to create something like, I think they call it 
maybe it was WeChat in China or like like an open, um, you know, where you can get sort of all your needs met there on that platform. And he's kind of like trying to open the box and have them think differently about it. And um, regardless how it comes out, you know, like I think that's really exciting. Um, like it'll be exciting to see what happens with Twitter in the next year. Um, and I mean, I just, it's sort of like with every new social media that gets popular and new feature and like right now it's the TikTok, it's the reels and things like that are super popular. Um, I saw this other quote about like TikTok, you know, they've really mastered um, grabbing people's attention and keeping it, but are they doing it in a good way? Like it's not a good way because it's not like productive and you're just kind of going down a rabbit hole of like candy. But like if, you know, <laughs> if um, they can grab your attention in a good way and it can be a productive use of time. Um, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting. Very interesting. Well, thank you, Erin, appreciate that. That's, those are great things to think about. I think it's really important to figure out, like we were saying, where do these videos go and how does that make sense in the sales funnel? And that's really important to think about because you don't want to just produce content and then have this beautiful video and not know what to do with it. Or it reaches the wrong audience. Um, exactly. All the stuff on it. Yeah. Exactly. Great. Well, I'm going to share a tip today as well. My name is Stephanie Richards and my company is SoGro Public Relations and we do B2B public relations. And today I want to talk about how to read an editor's mind. It is possible. So a lot of people are not sure how to get media coverage. And there are ways where you can give editors exactly what they want. And they have actually done all of us a favor and they have taken all of their ideas and what is in their mind and what they want and they have written it down, which is exceptionally helpful for us. We don't have to wonder, it's not a mystery. We just have to know where to find it. So what editors have done is they have put all of their ideas of what they want in something called an editorial calendar. And they publish these and they put them on their website. An editorial calendar basically lays out all of the main topics that they want to cover for that year. So you could think of them as the main themes, like maybe the June issue, they may cover health, and maybe the July issue, maybe finance, or whatever their main focus is for that issue. And some of them are even more detailed than that, where they get into specific areas within their publication. So they may have specific columns and those columns have a topic for each month, or they may have multiple topics and cover lots of different areas and have lots of different sections within their publication. And then each of those sections, they have a topic that they're focusing on for that month. So the trick is knowing where to find these. And some publications just don't have editorial calendars published, but a lot of publications do, and it can be in different places. So sometimes it's a little tricky to find. Most of the time you can find these editorial calendars inside the media kit. So if you're just searching for editorial calendar, sometimes you can't find it on the website, but if you go to the advertising page and download the media kit, which has all the information for the ad specifications, sometimes hidden within that, they will have the editorial calendar. Other publications will have it under the about us section, or sometimes they'll have it on the writer's guidelines section, or sometimes there will be an editorial page and they'll have the media kit separate and then they'll have the, um, the media kit on the advertising and then they'll have the editorial calendar on just the editorial page. So um, those are different places that you can look for it. And then sometimes you can just email them and ask them. They often, so as we've, you know, in the last 10 years, some publications have decided to not do editorial calendars and they're a little bit looser with their topics or they're more like a weekly topic and that sort of thing. They don't necessarily publish an editorial calendar. And then other publications have skipped the editorial calendar, but what they have done is they have gone to specific columns or areas that they focus on. So I'll give you guys an example. So a publication called Construction Executive. So they do have an editorial calendar, but each month they have sections that cover business. They have a technology section. They have a workforce section. They have safety and risk legal and regulatory markets, and then they have equipments and tools, and then they have people. So the editor is basically putting out there, these are the topics that I want to cover. 
And so you would go into those specific areas. And so you may say something about, so Aaron, let's use you as an example, since you do video, you could write an article about how do you do videos that are safety training videos for the construction industry? What are some tips that people can use to do that? And you target that safety and risk column. And you could even go to their editorial calendar and see what are they covering? You know, is there anything related to video in that? And just use that as a way to really give editors what they're looking for. So, um, and again, you can also just ask them and just, you know, send them an email and say, are there any specific topics that you're looking for? And we've had um, editors that have done that where we've, we've gone back and forth with them. And I've just said, is there anything specific that you're looking for information about? And they give us the exact thing and we write an article about that. And so it's helpful for them because they're getting the content, they're getting the source, um, and then we're able to give them exactly what they need. So they come back to us and want us to write more for them. So you can read an editor's mind, literally, you just have to know where to find it. So any thoughts or questions? That, that's one of those, like, it, it definitely is worth it. It's, it's doing the extra work to go and, and look at the, you know, the media calendar and plan it out a little bit. It's kind of like, it's a little bit like homework, you know, you put it off because, <laughs> but you know, it's there and like, man, if you just do that, then you get that media coverage. So it's worth it. Hey, Virginia. Hey, Virginia, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, so one thing, I'm sorry, go ahead, Joel. Go ahead, Joel. Thing that you said makes a lot of sense. Um, it's almost like, you know, obvious, like why wouldn't you do it? You know, uh, but it's really good that you flagged it. So, you know, it's, it's something that I'll keep in mind right away. So I think it's a great idea. Um, any examples of, of how that happened? I'm, you know, either by following the editorial calendar and then like, how did you hit the bullseye on that? Or I, I love the idea of being really direct, ask, you know, you, have, you, know, you know, here's what we do. You know, we can craft something for you. What do your readers want? Both of those are great. And any examples of how that paid out? Absolutely. So my go-to a lot of times, if I find something on an editorial calendar that makes sense, is I will email the editor and I will say, I noticed you're covering healthcare in September. We have a topic about this particular thing that's happening in healthcare. Would you be interested in an article about it? Or we'll write an article, which is, which is what we do a lot. This is kind of unusual because a lot of people pitch the idea first, but a lot of times we'll write the full article specifically for that publication as if they've already accepted it, follow their writer's guidelines, make it absolutely irresistible in terms of this is exactly for you. And we'll say, we noticed you guys are covering this in September. Here's an article about this trend that's happening in that area. Would you be interested in using this? And just make it really easy for them. And you know, if they say, we already have something for that or we're not interested in that or it's not quite a fit, we can take that article and send it to another publication. But the fact that we've already looked up their editorial calendar, we're making it easy. They don't have to think about where it goes. We've already suggested a space for it. It just makes it really easy for them to, to plug it in. But I will say the editorial calendars, put it on your calendar now to start asking for them and start looking for them in November, December. That's usually when people publish them. And you usually have to be about six months in advance. So these spaces fill up quickly. And then they also publish and get everything lined up, you know, six months in advance. So, you know, even you could even pitch like nine months in advance or just get at the beginning of the year, do all your pitching <laughs> and say all these months I'm doing these things and just get it out there early because, you know, as we get into June, we're now talking about getting stuff published in November, December, if right. they aren't already covered. So, you know, definitely put it on your calendar, pull those editorial calendars, you know, at the end of the year and then start at the beginning of the year. Uh, one more thing, Stephanie, um, if you do something that's really specific, and you pick the brain of the editor, um, do you put on the press release exclusive for a construction executive, uh, you know, limited uh, time, uh, we're gonna give it away to somebody else if you don't take it. I mean, do, do, you, do you identify it that way? Or do you talk about it that way at all? Absolutely, so that is actually one of the reasons I think we get so much media coverage for our clients because I will literally sit down and write something as if let's say it's for construction executive, I'll contact the editor and I will say, we wrote this following your guidelines with your editorial calendar in mind. This is exclusive to you all. It has not been sent to anybody else. We will hold it for you if you're interested in it. And so often editors love that and they pick it up. 
every once in a while, like we had a publication that we wrote something about hybrid video for, and they said, the article is great. We love it, but we've covered that topic so much that we want something in this area. And so we're working on an article in that area. We took that article and sent it to another publication and got it picked up that week. So, you know, it's not a loss for us because if the content is there, you can usually send it to somebody else but it makes it so appealing for the editors because it takes all the ambiguity out of it. They, they can read the article. They don't have to wonder, is it gonna be turned in on time? Is it gonna have a bunch of mistakes? Is it gonna be self-promotional? They, they can just look and go, yes, this is perfect. It fits and go forward. And if they don't, we still use it. Thanks, yeah. So great question. Hey, Virginia, did you wanna share a tip today or were you just popping in? Oh, yes, yes, I can. Uh, just let me know when I can. Yeah, go ahead, because we're, we're going to wrap up in a little bit, but certainly uh, introduce yourself and share a tip. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, well, my name is Virginia Navajiger, and I'm the CEO of Transformative Power. I have a consulting firm um, <clears throat> that basically helps with marketing and strategy. And today, um, today, I wanted to share a business coaching tip, and I actually posted my LinkedIn around this topic today, which is about facing your fears. And I have this little story about when I was a little girl and like my dad, um, basically we went to this park and there was this um, clown and it was like super scary, you know? So I started being like, oh my God, this clown. And then my dad basically hold me like into his lap and, and basically uh, asked the clown to come through and show me all these different parts, you know, like the nose and the wig and like all of it. And then basically I was able to be comforted at the same time as I was really getting to explore like what was happening with this client and then realize that it was human, right? So one of the things I noticed with my clients, you know, it really doesn't matter like how big or as small the client is. So, so it could be like a nonprofit, it has a, a team of board of directors, it could be uh, a startup uh, leader, it could be a big company. And I noticed that a lot of the things that really hold people back is their fears. Like, and, and I think I think the fear leads people into doing things that are basic. So it's like, okay, do the messaging of this is, we're innovative, we're leaders, we're this. And like people have no clue what that means. And they don't know what that, they, they have no clue. They can't relate to it. And they're really afraid of really putting their own perspective like who they really are and what they really believe in um, because there's fear, right? Like of maybe this is not going to sound professional or maybe this is not going to sound relatable or maybe this, this is not this and that and the other. And then what happens, you just, you just start seeing all this marketing that looks the same. Like it's just like a different picture of a different person with this core messages, which are more about the pain points and like how people are not, able to do this and the other, but they don't really have any relatability to it. They're not really connected. So how I help my clients deal with this is to help them deal with the fear of front. Are you afraid that people are going to think bad of you because you got to be personal in a post? Like, are you, are you afraid of really putting your unique perspective out there? Um, like what's the fear and name it and claim it and then ask if it's true that from the perspective of your client, like having a really almost corporate like connection is going to work for you and then challenge that and then allow yourself to think differently. So, uh, so I think curiosity um, and really, like I think as a consultant, it's important not to pretend there's no fear. Like, and I think allowing yourself to be like, this is the fear. And then, you know, and then also make it relevant, right? Like if it's true that the fear is that the company wants to be really professional, then address it and make sure the person feels comfortable. So I just wanted to share that with, with people because I think people, they are not always with a consultant. They're not always sitting with them and they're sitting in front of their computer trying to create content. And a lot of times people don't create it and they're blocked because they have these fears. So thank you. Thank you, Virginia. Any thoughts or questions for Virginia? Um, I, I found that very relatable that um, so I do video and it's, there's a lot of fears around video and it can be a lot of different reasons for the fear. And so 
I like you talking about really trying to get to what the specific thing that they're intimidated by because then you can address it and at least go yes that that's like a fear but we don't have to like worry about it or even sometimes people have fears that like you're like me as a professional I'm like oh you don't have to worry about that like that's I one thing I always get with people they always feel like um, whenever I'm filming them that they forget that I'm going to take out all the mistakes and so whenever they make a mistake they're like oh it's going to be in there and I'm like no that is that is my job to make sure that it's not going to be in there and so always reminding that but it would be cool to be able to know exactly what each individual person's um, kind of fear is. Yeah I, I think that's so true because if it's not spoken like you said you can't address it and so I'm I'm with you Erin as well because when I help people on video, I have a lot of clients that don't want to be on video and they feel uncomfortable and you have to get to the reason why do you feel uncomfortable on video? And a lot of times, like you said, Aaron, it's something you can fix. So a lot of people feel uncomfortable on video because they don't like the way they look. A lot of times it's because they're wearing the wrong color or they have outfits that don't look good or the lighting is terrible. And so, yeah, you're going to look terrible and you're not going to like the way that you look. Hey, we put up a couple of lights. We put you in a pretty color. We put a little makeup on you. And now all of a sudden you look great. Now you don't have to be fearful about that anymore, but if you don't say anything, then we can't address that. And so that makes a lot of sense just to get that as part of your process of what are you afraid of? And I think Kristen Sellier is talking about that too. Doesn't she talk about going through like, what are the fears, you know, when she meets with clients and being able to figure out, okay, so how are we going to address those? I think that's so key because otherwise you can't fix a problem if you don't know it's there. And also I think the reminder too, is like when you're alone, and when you're blocked and then, or when your content is not really showcasing your brilliance, I think it's asking yourself the question because you may not have that coach or consultant in front of you. And I think it's asking this, you know, going up front with like an upfront conversation with yourself. What am I afraid of? And then when you name it, you, you're like, oh, it's not, you know, it's like it's like it's really it has a solution most of the time. And then you feel more confident and then you can move into creation. Absolutely. That makes sense. That's wonderful. Well, great. Well, thank you all so much for all of your wonderful tips today. I appreciate it. I always learn so much from you guys. So be sure to sign up for next time. Also bring all of your marketing colleagues. So the more marketers we have, the more we learn, the more networking we're able to do. And um, also don't forget that this is a video and podcast series. So you guys can go back to other podcasts and listen to them. You guys can also use these videos for your own marketing. So if you want to take your tip and put it on your website, you guys are welcome to do that. And then we will also promote the tips as well and be able to get you guys some more exposure and, and showcase your expertise as well. So thank you guys all for being here. And Thank you for listening to the SoGrow Marketing Council podcast. Want to be part of our next meeting? Visit SoGrowPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com and click on the Marketing Council tab to sign up for our next event. Until next time, keep growing.